Hi, I'm Shay. And I'm David. And you're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR, where we talk about board games and board game related topics. On today's show, we'll be discussing what we've been playing and the news. And for our main topic tonight, we'll be giving you a glossary definition of all the terms that we use on the show that you might not understand. Yeah, we use terms a lot, and it just, not that it just came to me, but it was something I was thinking, you know, what if people weren't understanding what we were saying? Although we do a decent job of trying to explain what we say after we say it, yep. we thought if we put it all in one spot, then we could just refer to it. And I mean, you tend to use very specific jargon when we're talking about board games, and it would be nice to just give people an idea of what's going on. Yes, Awesome. I agree. Yes. Excellent. I, I am blaming you. Just putting that out there just so our audience understands. Because uh, we all know I have uh, no technical knowledge. So you're saying I try to sound smart? smart? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. I'm not saying you are smart. Just sound smart. Okay, Shay. Did you happen to play any games last week? I did. I think I played one new game. We played Dice Settlers. Yes, we did. Was pretty fun i mean so i i would actually like to say i'm a little conflicted on this one i think i need to play it more times because i was horrendously bad at it like really 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 bad at it okay so this is a modular game you're flipping tiles with uh is areas on them so like i think desert well, forest land types, land yeah. types you're flipping those tiles and putting them and building your area you're tr it is an area control game, so you're trying to have control over those areas you're on using your little cube colors, and you can place those using um, whatever whatever's on your little board in front of you. When you flip one, yep. you get to put one on it, and then anytime you use the settled yep. dice face, you get to put more on it. Yeah, and there's you have a selection of turns that you can do, some that are free, some you have to pay for with uh, resources that you get from these tiles. And I think my main issue is I had trouble. So you have dice in a bag and those dice you roll, those give you the actions. They have symbols on them. Yep. My issue was I wasn't able to get the, raise the amount of dice that I could pick during the game. So there's tiles that allow you to do that. And I wasn't near any of them. They were all very far away from me. And so <laughs> I only got to draw three and then at one point four dice at a time, which limited my actions quite a bit. Well, I was limited to eight or nine most. Yeah, of yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I can't imagine how hard that was. Really, it, it was. It was. It, it was mm -hmm. a struggle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I had trouble with it, and I ended up finishing way behind. Um, oh no, I did play another game. Sorry, we'll get to that after after your turn. Um, short term all... memory, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly remember things. Yeah, Dice Settlers. Yeah. it was a new game to us. We just picked it up. Uh, from a friend and it was good it was like yeah it, it wasn't it was a anything, solid game it wasn't anything earth shattering yeah but i enjoyed the pull out of your bag roll dice use those dice to do actions yeah. the idea of the game was very simple and it played very well although we also need to replay it because we did a bunch of rules wrong yeah there was a couple <laughs> of rules where we butcher which isn't uncommon it's pretty common in the first play of the game yeah so we'll definitely retry that and see if it's easier. I think I'd have a different strategy for next time. Otherwise, I thought the production value on it was pretty good. It's a nice looking game. Um, yeah, it, the artist is the Miko who does Raiders, Architects, Paladins. Yeah. Very nice. I mean, there's always, it's cardboard pieces, so there's always upgrades you can do to it. But by itself, 
it's a pretty nice looking game and I think I'd like to play it again. Yeah, and the dice were quite nice. The dice were really nice. Yeah. Oh, the only thing bad about it were the bags. The bags, so I have very, very small hands and I could barely fit my hand into these bags and I couldn't draw any dice out of them. Yeah. They, like, they were ridiculously small for how big the dice were. It, it was something that needs to be changed out. Yeah, yeah. We, we would need to change those. Uh, a couple. I played a couple of games. Uh, first one I want to talk about is Vindication. Uh, this one is a redoing of Epoch or Epoch. Uh, so it is, and you're, you're moving on a board. Uh, the premise is you've washed or you've been shipwrecked. You wash up on floor. The you shore? Wash up on shore. You said floor. I said shore. You said floor. Okay. And <laughs> you're a scoundrel. You're not a nice person, but you've decided you're going to vindicate yourself and make yourself a better person. Uh, so it has a terraforming Mars movement where you have cubes in potential, cubes that you can use, and cubes that for control. Mm -hmm. So they're in three different spots, and you're manipulating how you're moving those cubes back and forth. If you get all of your cubes out of potential and get past, I think it's 15 points or 30 points, you become vindicated. So you're no longer a scoundrel and you turn to the light. Cool. Uh, there is a little bit of interaction slash take that. Nothing that was uh, detracting from the game. Uh, the production value on the game is very solid. You, you are just putting cubes on the board and uh, you're putting them on hexagons. Uh, initially, the board, you don't know what's other than what's in front of you. You don't know where anything is. So as you explore, you're getting more spots to go to and each spot is going to allow you to do something with one of the six colors uh there's the three primary colors which you can do you can just put cubes on to get those and then you know the red and the blue make purple the red and the yellow make green no no blue and green <laughs> or blue and yellow make green yeah. and yellow and red make orange yeah, and those are, those are the six <laughs> colors that are around and it was a really solid game. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'd like to play it again. Uh, it's, it was a weird game in that I want to play it, but it's not a game that I need in my collection, right? As long as one person you know yeah. has it, you're going to get that fix of being able to play it every three, four months if, if you need to, right? Yeah. And we played a five-player game, went fairly smooth. The downtime wasn't too bad. And in the end, I finished second last, which is pretty good for me. Yeah, usually you just straight up lose. So. Yeah, I've discovered that I don't win games. Yep, that uh, color change hasn't helped you at all, hey? No, I my I have kept with my color change. I'm changing it up every game. Uh, I'm about 25% of the time I'm winning right now. Perfect, yeah. yeah. So that's Vindication. Uh, as I say, it's it's a solid game. Cool. It's a little heavier, but not too bad. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So I do have another game to talk about. Okay. As I shouted out during the last one. Yes. <laughs> as you got distracted. Yes. You know, I, I get distracted easily, really. Okay. Um. So it was Oceans. That's was that was the name. Right. Of it. Oceans. I w a friend brought this game. I had never heard of it before. So I f forgive me if I uh, forget the name of it. It is a gorgeous game with, and the theme is, is you're creating new fish species, basically. Yep. 
that's all you really need to know about the theme. There's not much else to it other than it is a really nice looking game. He had the Kickstarter version, so there were some upgrades. But even like the cardboard pieces and stuff, like the cardboard fish that they usually have, I still think looked pretty good. Yeah, so this is the new Kickstarter from the people that did Evolution Climate, which you're building dinosaurs. Oh, I want to play that one. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Oh, okay, well, I like this <laughs> I, I, one. <laughs> I, found it, I found the first one pretty dry, and the downtime was a little excessive, in my opinion. I didn't get to play Oceans, but yep. you said it was very nice. Yep. Uh, I, I liked it. So the idea of this game, you have a, a hand of cards, and they have actions on them. So things like how much food they can get, if they have any defense... Uh, there's an overpop, you know, never overpopulate, or you get to pick more fish when other people do other things. So there's a whole bunch of actions on there relating to what you're doing on your little board. When you start, you play a card, and that creates a new fish species, and that species has that trait. So they're trait cards. Then you put, you have, we had these little resin fish that were super cute. Um, you'd put the little fish on the board, <coughs> and that's your population. During your turn. Um, you can only play one card to start off with, so that has the trait. Then you feed in some way. You can either forage, so you just pick fish from the middle. You get uh, however many foraging numbers are on your trait cards. Or you can attack. So if you attack, you attack another player, and then you steal fish from them. As long as you have more attack than they have defense. Okay. So pre- it's honestly pretty simple. It's just looking at the numbers. Um, doesn't help to attack if they have no fish. Then... After that point, you have to age your fish, which just means you take one fish off of each population that you have. So the trick with this is if you have no fish on your board because people have stolen them and then you get to the age part and you have no fish to take off, that population goes extinct and the fish go away, the cards go away, and it's done. On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you forage or if you have cards that give you fish when people do things and you go past the amount on that board and you don't have a trait card that says never overpopulate, you've overpopulated and you lose half the fish down to five. So there's there's kind of like a balancing act of don't get too much fish, but don't lose too many fish either. And the goal is to get as many population or as many populations of fish as you can because every fish that ages goes into your point bank. And you get more points as you go along. Okay. Yeah. So the aging the fish is good. It gives you points. However, if you age too many, then you're in trouble. Do they die of old age? Um, that's basically what the aging the fish is. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's them dying and the other ones are the younger fish. So it, it honestly was pretty simple to learn. The art was really, really nice. The setup was actually um, very simple. You have these little cardboard oceans. And there is a simple version of it where you play with just the basic ocean. So there's other cards, like deep cards, that give you more actions that are more complex. Yep. There's a whole other option where you just ignore those and you just play with the simple one, which is really good if you're going to be playing with people who don't normally play board games to just get them into it, right? Because it's a nice little fish game otherwise. Okay. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, It was a nice, nice, easy game, really. And I crushed at it. I beat uh, Adam and Jordan by 20 points, so I was pretty uh, happy with it. So you like it because you won. I, I think that might have something to do with it, but also I did really enjoy the game. Okay. I don't know if I'd buy it. We had talked about this. I'm probably cool with just asking Adam if he can bring it to let me play it, but uh, it was a really good game. Cool. Okay, the other one I want to talk about is Feast for Odin. 
This is one I picked up on a gift card. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, it's Yui Rosenberg. It's worker placement. And you're getting goods. You're making those goods into other goods, which make them into bigger, bigger goods. And you're putting them on your board in front of you, covering up negative points, uh, surrounding bonus points, and creating a better income. Uh, you're getting boats. It, it is a fairly heavy game. Mm-hmm. The worker placement board has 61 different actions on it you can take. Uh, so there's a lot. Wow. The first, <laughs> me and your brother just played a learning game. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't do very well and we were just trying to figure out how it all went together. Uh, like teaching the game is actually not that hard because uh, it's, it's you play, put a person down, you take an action. Yeah. Right. Each, almost every round you're getting a feast, which is going to feed your people, which you have to do at the end of each round. So we were never really short of being able to feed our people. So there wasn't a real punishment element, which a lot of Yui Rosenberg games have. Yep. So I really like that. Uh, the production value is outstanding. They give you two game trays that you put all your goods in. Nice. And it, it really makes sense as you go from, I believe it was green to red, red to orange, orange to blue, and mm-hmm. blue being the, the most valuable ones or the right. ones that you can be most versatile with. And the game just really worked well. And I really want to play this again to learn how to actually score. Yep. Uh, we made one mistake of really ignoring the occupations, which give you a lot of bonus points and give you extra actions. And without that, it really hampers your score. Uh, so yeah, we both really enjoyed it. Both really want to play it again. Yeah. And yeah, the production value is off the chart. And it's my first Yui Rosenberg worker placement game that I got to play, but everybody said it's his best. So I went right to it. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I'd uh, like to add, I also got the insert for my Champions of Midgard game and it's awesome. There is nothing better than a well-organized game. Truly. It's better than that new game set. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was the Fold of Space insert. Uh, for anybody that does, isn't familiar with them, they're uh, sort of a pressed like cardboard. Foam core or something foam, like that. Foam core, yeah, yeah, that's it. And they pop out really nice, really easy to glue, and they work well. Yeah, it was way easier to put together than the Gloomhaven one, so well, yeah, and love it does, that. <laughs> doesn't add the weight that a wooden one does, yeah. right? Okay, News. Hit us with that news. Okay, the news is we are on CFCR, and you're listening to Board on the Air. That is some news. Exactly. Uh, so big week for Kickstarter. Three big games came out all on the same day. Oath, which is from the makers of uh, Root and Vast. Uh, Foundations of Rome, which is by Emerson Matasuchi, who did the Century Spice Road games. Yep. And Return to the Dark Tower, which is being done by Rob Davio, who did uh, Pandemic Legacy. Oh, and Isaac Childress, who did this little game called Gloomhaven. Oh, yeah. Just the little game there. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a Lord of the Rings game? Uh, the Return of the Dark Tower is sort of a remake of a game. And it's uh, area control. And it's got this big tower in the middle that has all these like lights and spinning motors and all sorts of stuff in there oh i'm in just to display that tower yeah it looks pretty sweet uh foundations of rome is a uh you're buying plots on a map and then taking you're building a city and and building a city in those so there's like 
120 different minute or miniature buildings and stuff you put out. It, yeah. It looks pretty sweet. Did you see the size of the box though? It's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's I, like a brick. The cost for the type of game it is don't add up. Yeah. It, it doesn't add up because it's a pretty basic entry level game. And you're paying a hundred bucks just for the base game, right? Oh my! Or hundred US yeah. just for the base game. Uh, Oath is roots on steroid or root on steroids. There's double everything in it, basically. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how the gameplay is. If it follows his style of, you know, each faction playing differently, but yeah, all of three came out on the same day, which is huge for Kickstarter. Yeah, and bad for everybody's wallet. Awful for especially in January. Yes, yeah, there's there's a bunch of games coming in January that uh, people are really excited about, so yeah. you'll have lots of Kickstarter news this month. Uh, Cosmic Encounter is getting a two-player flavor, so Cosmic Encounter Duel, as every two-player game has to be called. It has to be called Duel. Yeah. Uh, Cosmic Encounter is a game that's been out since, like, I believe, 1974. <laughs> really? And it's aliens fighting aliens, but it has a big... Uh, diplomacy aspect to it okay so how this is going to work in a two-player mode i'm not 100 percent sure just takes the attacking version of it i bet yeah you. i think it's going to be a lot more of the attacking than uh that uh diplomacy diplomacy yeah riot games uh these are the guys that do a little game or another little game called league of legends <laughs> Uh, their first game, first board game was Mechs vs. Minions, which is based on that League of Legends. This one is a little bit smaller version because Mechs vs. Million, million, minions. minions, if I could talk, is a really big box with lots of miniatures. This is called Tellstone's King Gamb Gambit. And four-player uh, social deduction almost to oh. it. Uh, but more board gamey? or More board gamey. Yeah, yeah it, it looks interesting and... You know, their first game was quite the uh, production value, so I'm curious yeah. to see what they come out with. And, oh, sad news for those who like their digital ports of games. Fantasy Flight Interactive has shut their doors. Yes. Uh, so Fantasy Flight does a lot of games, and this was their branch that was porting those over to digital. Uh, so this is sad for, you know, people like me who play a lot of digital board games. Uh Fantasy Flight has some good stuff. So sad to see this go. Sad for the people that were involved in it. Yeah, because that's definitely going to be a, a high level or a lot of um, employees. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely some layoffs for a big company like Fantasy Flight. Yeah. Okay, that is all the news for tonight. Wow, short one today. It is very short. Uh, so you're listening to Board in the Air on CFCR. We're going to talk about some definitions or some words we use while we talk about games. Yes. And try and define them as best we can. Yeah. And it's, we'll, we'll do a bit of a uh, throw words out and see if uh, Shay knows what they mean. Because <laughs> we all, again, we all know I don't know technical terms. Okay, Shay, let's, let's start easy. Yeah. Programming game. What? <laughs> I mean, I know how to make a programming game. Yeah. So programming <laughs> game is games where you're setting your actions before you take your turn. Right? So then you start, everybody r reveals what they're, what they're doing, and then sometimes it works out, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. So like viral. 
Viral is very much a programming game. Yeah. Uh, another famous one is Robo Rally, where people start as robots and they bump into each other and it throws <laughs> off their plans. And and programming games is one of those ones that people really like or really hate because of that. Yeah, I don't know if I like them that much. Yeah. Like I, I don't. I like being able to plan out my moves, not being like, well, fifty fifty chance, maybe this will work. Yeah, like I didn't have a great time playing viral. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Okay, Shay. Yep. Hit Elf. me with another one. I got this one. Alpha gamer. Ooh, I can do this one. Okay, so an alpha gamer is somebody who, especially in like you most commonly see it in a co- cooperative game takes control of the game and basically just orders people around. So take Pandemic, for example. The alpha gamer in that situation would be somebody who says, okay, your person can do this, so you should go here, and this other person should go here, and I'll meet you there, so on and so on, until it's basically like they're playing a solo game. Yeah, they make a cooperative game solo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, filler game. Uh, That would be a game that you kind of toss in in the middle of something when you're like, not wanting a super long, heavy game, but wanting something that's a little bit more than a party game. Yeah. We, uh, we just discussed one that fills this really well. What game was it? We mentioned it on the last show. That was like a week ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't know. My memory doesn't go back that far. But <laughs> if you listen to our shows, we've mentioned a couple filler games of just like simple games that take up that space, right? Probably silver and gold. Yeah. I think it actually was silver and gold. Okay, king making. Nope, don't know that one. <laughs> Explain to me what that is. So king making is when you're playing a game and you do an action that causes someone else to win, right? So you're helping uh, them win the game. It, it's not looked upon very fondly in board games. <laughs> uh, by the person who does the action. By the other people in the game. Well, are, are, are you doing it on purpose? Like, is this somebody who does it on purpose? This is somebody doing oh, it on okay. purpose. Not, not accidentally, like not in accidentally. Um, Transamerica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, this is where somebody goes out of their way to help somebody else win. Gotcha. Yeah, that is annoying. Like, especially it, like if it's not a cooperative game or a team game and you're like, well, let's just do it here. Like, that's, that's kind of annoying. It defeats the purpose of a game. You betcha. Okay, semi-co-op. So this is a game that has cooperative aspects to it, but also individual point systems. So somebody is the total winner at the end of the game, but the majority of it is cooperative. Yeah, so you have, you're working together for a common goal, but you also have your own personal goal, which is what the game sort of decided upon. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Tableau Builder. Oh boy. Okay. Give me a moment on this one. So this is where you're building something in front of you, right? Like something like tiny towns and stuff where you have your little area in front of you that you're building up with area with uh, buildings and stuff. I would say a better example would be Everdell. Okay. Yep. Where you put in the cards down the in cards front of down. you and you, you're just building that engine in you're front of yourself. You're building a personal board basically. Yep. 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 That's exactly it. Okay. Okay. 18XX. Oh, you explained this one last time. This is like the super, super heavy games, right? Or is this the war-based games? These are the super, super heavy games. What are they all based on? I think I read this. It was something about 18XX is meant to be a year. Yeah. So like 1874 or whatever. But what do they all involve? Uh... Oh, trains. Right. I did read that. 
Yeah, so 18xx is the heavy, heavy train games. They deal a lot with shares, and you're only allowed to buy trains in those, or put trains with those shares of the companies you own a share in. Uh, a lot of these, I think the shortest 18xx game I've heard of takes about four hours. Ugh. Uh, I've had a friend that played one nine hours Saturday, and then came back and played nine hours Sunday to finish the game. Yeah. No, thanks. Uh, this is the heavy, heavy games. Heavy, heavy games. Cult of the New. This was like our second episode or something like that. I recommend you go listen to that if you want to hear more about it. But the Cult of the New is the idea that you always need to be on the newest board game, the newest thing that's coming out. Yeah. Kickstarter. <laughs> it's, it's Kickstarter. It's, you know, you're not playing games over and over again. Again, you're always playing the new game. Yeah. And a lot of these terms we have done shows specifically on them. Yeah. But just refreshing. And it's a nice way to start the year. That way, if you're a new listener, you're like, hey, you know what? My New Year's resolution is I want to listen to more board game podcasts. It's the perfect way to get into it. Get into it. Okay. Pips. Ooh. this Are these the little things you put into like a pegboard? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, I tried. They have to do with dice. Oh, they're the dots on the dice. They are the dots on the dice. Perfect. So I, I use this term once in a while. Yeah. It's... You know, you're, you're counting pips. Uh, BGG. Board Game Geek. What's that? That is the go-to website for your board game news and information. Actually, maybe not news, but mainly information. If you want to know about categories of games, about the new games coming out, about where the games are rated, Board Game Geek actually has the most quoted list rating of games. Like, they go to a couple thousand, I think. Okay, Calyx. I love this one. I had this marked down as a uh, a funny term because I it's so like it's such a board gamey thing. Calyx is the square shelf from IKEA that every board gamer owns. In or fact, should own or should own. In <laughs> fact, I actually own one. I don't keep board games on it. I have pop figures, but nevertheless, it is a very very common piece of furniture for board gamers to have. You betcha. Shelf of shame. This is the games you haven't played yet that you bought a while ago. <laughs> you need to play. <laughs> dudes on a map. Dudes on a map. That's that's dudes on a map. That's yeah. all it's it is, right? It's your war game. <laughs> it, it's your typical war games where you have a bunch of guys on a map and you're moving around fighting. Okay. Yeah. Risk. Yeah. If a game's referred to as a knife fight in a phone booth, what's it uh, referring to? Close quarters fighting? Yeah. It, it's a game where you have to fight to play the game okay there, there's no way you can hide in the background i.e turtle you know you have <laughs> That's my to... favorite way to play though i i know and these these are the games that reward you for combat basically right okay yeah. op oh uh i don't know overpowered uh okay yeah so this is in a game where something happens or somebody takes an action and somebody yells out that's op they're saying that action is overpowered and gives somebody an unfair advantage right which there's definitely definitely characters that do that oh definitely there, there's lots of stuff that you know can be op sometimes it's just a matter of learning to play the game a little bit better yeah uh downtime uh, the wait between turns. You betcha. Games aren't great if you have too much downtime. Okay. Gronk. No clue. So this is when somebody looks at a game and just gets it. 
Uh, like like Jordan. you and you Oceans. Me and Oceans. That, right? I got that game real quick. Like, uh, yeah, they just they get it explained to you and it clicks and you do really well right off the bat. Uh, paste it on. Mm, nope. Theme. Oh, I love theme. Is paste it on the one like the theme is there because it has to be, but it's not actually very good. Yeah, basically yeah, yeah. a game has to has to have a theme in quotation marks and that's what it is okay uh last one rules lawyer somebody who plays by the rules this is the person that sits there and knows the rules inside out right so he's quoting the rules he's correcting everybody this is sometimes a good thing sometimes a bad thing yeah it's never a bad bad thing to know the rules but sometimes the rules lawyer can go a little bit overboard yep i'd like to throw one more in there Okay. AP. I believe this is called analysis paralysis. Yeah, we use this term all the time, so I figured it was worth explaining. Yeah. So AP is somebody who is always looking for the perfect move. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, this can be bad, but for the most part, as long as they're paying attention, nobody really gets upset. Unless they take way too long. Unless they really drag it out. Yeah. And... And every turn. This is a, a term that gets used a lot in a negative. Yeah. But to me, as long as, as I say, as long as the people are paying attention, it doesn't bother me. Cool. Okay. You've been listening to Board on the Air. I'm David. And I'm Shay. And we will talk to you next week. Have a good night.